Hi, my name is Pete McCall, and welcome to episode 42 of All About Fitness. Today on All About Fitness, I'm really excited for my guest, Jim Bathurst. Jim Bathurst is the master of the training universe for nerdfitness.com. As I look for guests on the podcast, one of the things I like to go back to are the people who I've known for years and who I've seen grow and develop into leaders in the fitness industry. Jim is one of the first people that comes to mind in that category. I first met Jim maybe 10, 12 years ago, back when we were both working in Washington, D.C. He was working at my friend Mark Crick and Graham King's place called Balance Gym. Now, Mark has taken Balance and grown from a small little fitness center in, in the corner of a gymnasium in the Calorama section of D.C. and now has a, D, has a fitness empire in D.C. and above himself. So if you're in the D.C. area, you know Balance Gym. It started small, but it's grown to big things. And Cricky, one of these days, I'm going to get you on the podcast as well. But Jim Bather started out as a personal trainer at Balance Gym, and his career has evolved, and now he's helping get people fit through a very interesting new medium, which is online personal training. Jim works with nerdfitness.com, which is a unique blog that reaches out to people who normally wouldn't be fitness enthusiasts or who are normally overlooked as fitness enthusiasts. You know, the last few years, there's been a lot of hype about the nerd culture. You have Chris Hardwick with The Nerdist. You have Comic-Con. I live in San Diego, and, and I've seen Comic-Con explode from being a relatively, you know, it, it was always a big show, but now it's hugely popular. Comic-Con almost gets its own channel dedicated for the time of the convention. So nerds were once, you know, ridiculed and derided as being these geeky people, but now being a nerd is cool in our culture. In fact, it's at the point I consider myself a fitness nerd, an exercise science nerd, if you will. I may not be able to tell you all of you know, all Han Solo's you know, trips to the Millennium Falcon. Frankly, I'm just happy I remember that part. But I can certainly tell you all the geeky stuff about exercise science. Anyway, today on All About Fitness, Jim and I talk about how we can make fitness more inclusive. He talks about the message of nerdfitness.com, why it was started, and why it's reaching out to an overlooked population. And then for those of you interested in this sort of thing, since Jim and I were both personal trainers in Washington, D.C., we talk a little bit about what the fitness culture is like in D.C. Because uh, uh, there might be a little bit of divisiveness going on in D.C., but I can tell you from years of experience, it doesn't matter where you're, whether you're from a red state or a blue state or who you voted for in which election. That stuff doesn't matter because we all sweat the same. And when you take my class, whether you're, I don't care where you're from, I don't care who you work for, you're there to get better. You're there to get fitter. You're there to make a positive impact on your day. So if you want to know a little bit of inside scoop about how politicians work out, Jim and I have seen it. You know, we've both worked with a number of people who have some very important job titles, and obviously we can't talk about who they are due to a number of reasons, but we've seen people sweat, and we know that all people sweat the same. It doesn't matter whether red or blue, Democrat or Republican, it really doesn't matter. What matters is when somebody exercises, whether they're a nerd or whether they're an all-American athlete, we all sweat the same. And anytime you start exercising, what we're trying to do is make, make our lives a little bit better. Today on All About Fitness, I'm happy to have my guest, Jim Bathurst, the master of the training universe for nerdfitness.com, talk about how we can make fitness a more inclusive environment. But first, a word from the sponsors of All About Fitness, and then on to the interview. Active Motion Bar is the first resistance training bar where 30% of the weight is a moving mass. An Active Motion Bar can help you strengthen your fascia and elastic connective tissue as well as your muscle, which is important for staying injury-free during the aging process. Research has found that exercising with an Active Motion Bar can be up to 170% more effective than using traditional weighted bars. 
Active Motion Bar, let the resistance move you. www.activmotionbar.com Vicor Fitness is the maker of the new TerraCore, which is a step, bench, balance trainer, and multifaceted exercise tool combined into one single platform. Go to vicorefitness.com to see the newest piece of equipment that will be taking the fitness industry by storm in 2017. Use the code AAF to save 20% on purchasing a TerraCore of your own. TerraCore by Vicor Fitness. Vicor Fitness. Better results from better products. All right, this is Pete McCall for All About Fitness. I'm here with Jim Bathurst. Jim, what exactly are you doing with uh, Nerd Fitness? Uh, so my title at Nerd Fitness is actually Master of the Training Universe. Uh, Steve somehow <laughs> agreed, agreed to that one uh, that I gave uh, him. Um, essentially at nerd fitness, what I do is I'm responsible for a lot of content creation, uh, specifically a lot of the programs that we release on the site. Now we redid a lot of them, uh, I make a lot of videos uh, for a lot of the articles that we do. And of course I also help with those articles. Um, so again, I'm the fitness, you know, matter expert in, in regards to nerd fitness. Um, I'm also, uh, also doing online coaching through nerd fitness as well too. So we've got a uh, small, but a uh, good group of people doing that. And uh, then just to help with online support with emails and Facebook and stuff like that. So, and, and what's your background as a, as a trainer, as an athlete? You know, and and for to let people, the listeners know, Jim and I have known each other for a number of years. You know, like like some of my guests uh, that I have on the podcast, you know, are from the my DC time. Uh, Jim Jim and I worked at the same. <laughs> Uh, Jim and I worked at the same facility in DC for a little while and he really um, he always blew me away with it he did a lot of bodyweight strength training and he's kind of progressed in his career there but as, as a trainer what what are your specialties what, do, what area do you focus in um, so uh, I'm definitely known I guess um, for a lot of the bodyweight strength training that I did um, years ago before I even stepped into being a personal trainer I'd started a website called beast skills dot com. Um, it's still up and running, although I don't update it, uh, quite so much these days. Uh, that was just about, uh, disseminating information about just difficult body weight skills, difficult gymnastic skills. So if people wanted to learn a muscle up or a handstand or, you know, various things like that. Um, I then again, jumped into a balanced gym. Um, I use that body weight training with a lot of my clients, but of course I also started, you know, working with, you know, barbells and whatnot and, uh, competed myself in both powerlifting and Olympic lifting. So, uh, definitely interested in all that. Um, every, every, every bit of those, um, pieces of training have something to bring to the table. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, um, God, let's see, I started, started with balance back in 2005, I believe, uh, 2005, 2006. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been a while. Yeah. And that's, and, and that's, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's when, when I was doing a little bit of work there and, yeah. And, uh, with, we have mutual friends that, that helped get it started. Now your athlete, did you, did you compete in gymnastics? Uh, no, never competed in gymnastics. Uh, as a kid, it was, you know, baseball and soccer, you know, rec leagues, typical, typical stuff. Uh, in high school, it was nothing but running. So I did cross country in the fall and then indoor and outdoor track. Um, and then when I hit college, uh, I actually joined a gymnastics exhibitional group at Maryland called Gymkhana. Uh, that was probably one of the biggest influences in terms of my training and what I do right now. Uh, Gymkhana, uh, or University of Maryland doesn't have a competitive men's team, but it does have that 
uh, club team, Gymkhana, what we do is we travel to local area schools, essentially uh, promoting the message of healthy living. And we do that by putting on um, a gymnastics show. So it'll be a mix of like traditional gymnastics and non-traditional gymnastics. So, you know, we've got, you know, rings and parallel bars and stuff that we're performing on, but also uh, we're doing handstands on top of chairs like Cirque du Soleil. And uh, my favorite, uh, we, we used to flip through hoops of fire uh, for, uh, for shows and for halftime shows at basketball games. So it was, uh, it was a pretty crazy college experience, but, um, before that, um, it was really just a, you know, self-taught handstands in the backyard sort of thing. So, um, despite where I am or what I've done with bodyweight gymnastics, uh, I never, I was never one of those child, uh, you know, gymnasts that I think a lot of people think I was. So, well, and I think that actually probably helps the fact that you didn't get into it till later means that you didn't really have an aversion to it. Cause I, you know, my fears of yeah. <laughs> kids, you know, if you've been forced, you know, if you're doing three hours a day of gymnastics practice at 11, 12 years old, you know, you'd probably be easy for you to lose interest in it. And then oh, yeah. as, as, when you got older. And so how hard was it for you to learn? I mean, as you started doing it, because for listeners, I remember, you know, one of the visuals I have of Jim is doing various <laughs> handstands, even one handed handstands in the gym where we worked in, um, you know, in the health club where we worked. And it just always blew me away with your, your sense of natural body strength. Uh, what, what have you enjoyed about, you know, kind of going down the body weight training path? Uh, what have I enjoyed? Um, it just, I mean, regardless of whether you get on body weight training path or, you know, weightlifting or whatnot, there's, there's always a great community of people, uh, in each one of those aspects. So, you know, I've, I've traveled to give a lot of seminars for body weight training. I've traveled to attend a lot of seminars for body weight training. Um, I've had a chance to meet, uh, world-class acrobatic performers and gymnast and gymnasts, um, in, in my own pursuit of, you know, increasing my knowledge. Uh, so it's just been fun to do that. I've enjoyed the journey. So regardless of where, you know, I certainly, regardless of where I was at the time for any training or PRs, um, just, just enjoying the atmosphere that uh, is around the bodyweight training community is really cool. And now between the bodyweight and you say you do both Olympic lifting and powerlifting, and just so listeners are aware, Olympic lifting are the two lifts of the snatch and the clean and jerk. And powerlifting yep. are the deadlift, the squat, and the bench press. Yep. So between those two modalities, what's been what was your favorite to train for? Uh, <laughs> I probably liked Olympic lifting a little bit more. Um, the bench squat and deadlift are, are great. Uh, they're fantastic to build a, a level of strength. But the snatch and the clean and jerk I found a lot more challenging, uh, both from a technical and a mobility standpoint. So. Uh, they kept my attention a bit longer. Not to say that the squat, the bench, and the deadlift aren't technical. They are still very technical, but uh, the snatch and the clean and jerk, those Olympic lifts are a lot more precise, I think, in, in my mind. It's harder to kind of fudge, you know, a good lift there. Uh, yeah, so I, I enjoyed that, yeah. And I think that's what I think that's what's so, you know, that's what I think one has been one of the coolest things about this emergence of the CrossFit culture. Um, is it's getting, it's gotten people to lift, to do the barbell lifts. It's gotten people, it's gotten Absolutely. average people to do deadlifts. It's gotten average people to learn a, a clean and jerk. And, and you were, I mean, for years you worked as a CrossFit coach. What was, what was that like? I mean, how would you, if, if I were a 40 something guy, which I am, and I walked into your CrossFit studio, what's your approach for teaching somebody or how should somebody go about learning the Olympic lifts? Um, with that, I mean, first thing, of course, I would ask anyone coming in the door is if you have any, you know, pre-existing conditions or injuries, um, I think having some sort of, you know, questionnaire pre-screen for anyone walking through the door is important, especially with CrossFit, especially with, uh, you know, Olympic lifts, which do require uh, a great amount of mobility. So if you step into a CrossFit gym and, and they're not asking you, uh, Hey, how your shoulder, how's your shoulder, how's your back, how's your knee? Um, you need to go somewhere else. Cause, 
um, it's just a recipe for disaster, I think. So, you know, say people are relatively healthy, they're ready to step in, uh, you know, teaching any of those classes, of course, we will put them through our foundations class. Uh, I taught the majority of those when I was working at Foggy Bottom. Um, and the foundations class, you know, gives people a taste of uh, the Olympic lifts uh, using PVC pipe and, and incredibly lightweight. Um, and that's usually pretty good to get people acclimated to how to move. Um, and then just like anything else, it's, you know, it's scalable up and down, um, not only in weight that we use, but also in movement complexity. So uh, say the entire snatch from the floor is incredibly complex for someone. You can break it down into, you know, a snatch from above the knees, or you can break it down into an overhead squat. So uh, a lot of, it's not just a matter of, oh, I put more or less weight on the bar. It's a matter of, hey, maybe I need to isolate a certain component of this Olympic lift and work on it before I integrate it back into the whole system. So. Now, you, Jim's making me cry right now, and I want to give him a big hug to it. Because <laughs> you said, but but you said one of the good, you said one of the things that most, that good coaches I hear talk about, and that's breaking down. You're not just training intensity, which is weight, but you're training movement complexity. And I yeah. think a lot of people out there, because I'm about to ask you a question that relates to a lot of people, I think a lot of people out there don't understand the complexity of some of the lifts. They see somebody, I might see you across the gym, pop in, you know, 225 over your head in a snatch and it looks easy, but you've been doing that for, for years. And it's certainly, yeah. you couldn't do that weight when you started. And so I think we have this misperception. Oh, it's only exercise. I'm only, you know, it's only lifting weights. So I think there's a certain misperception out there that this isn't a technical skill that we have to, that as, as a consumer, you have to learn how to lift properly. You can't just jump right in. And that leads to the question, what do you think most people could be doing better? I don't like to use the term like what are people doing wrong, even though that's what I'm asking, but what do you think, you know, what do you think some common mistakes are and what do you think people could be doing better just in the, in the, you know, going to a general gym or fitness center? Um, I think in terms of, uh, I mean, that's a, that's a big subject to kind of take a bite out of, but, uh, um, yeah, no, it is. Yeah. no, no, it's okay. I, I think, I think in terms of maybe learning a lift or, or exercising in general, uh, I think too many people, they, they just think that attempting something will get them better at it. So they're like, oh, you know what? I need to get better at the snatch. So I'm just going to do a snatches a thousand times. Uh, and as Vince Lombardi said, practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. So, you know, if you go into the gym and you, you know, put in a thousand terrible reps, you've learned nothing. And in many cases, actually, um, you've created a bad motor pattern. So having the ability to, again, break things down, isolate it, know which drills to do, uh, know which areas you need to focus on. I mean, that's where a coach comes in. So yes, it's the snatch, but you know, one exercise can be broken down in infinite ways and, and approach in infinite, uh, varieties. And I, and I see this with both weightlifting and with, uh, body weight work as well. Um, specifically, I think maybe even more so with body weight, cause people don't respect necessarily or understand the complexity that you can have with the progressions of body weight. Um, the best example for this is a handstand. Okay. So a handstand, if people want to learn handstand and maybe you've seen this in the gym, what do people usually do when they're trying to learn a handstand? Just try to go, maybe they go up against exactly. the wall or they just go try to go right into it. Yeah. That's exactly it. They try to kick up, they fall down, they kick up, they fall down. And that I've never seen anyone get a handstand that way. It's just, it's just brute force and will just waste just days, months, and years trying to, to get this stuff down. Whereas if they worked, you know, positional drills, if they worked, you know, easier balancing drills, if they looked for success, uh, and I guess this is what all comes down to, whether they're weightlifting or body weight, they need to look for success in whatever they're doing because success breeds success. 
So if you continue to fail at something, you know, if I wanted to squat 500 pounds and I load 500 pounds in the bar and I, you know, get buried and then next day I do it again and get buried, I'm not going to suddenly magically squat 500 pounds. It's just not going to happen. So you need to get those small incremental steps. So, and I think that again, you know, Jim's making me tear up in this conversation <laughs> because you know, I just think that that we lose that side of that. We lose sight of going small, going on, on the small progressions. And yeah. some of the best trainers I've seen, you know, in the last number of years, are the the ones that know how to regress, know how to properly regress an exercise. How important is it to kind of take a step back and maybe learn a component of an exercise before trying the full thing? Absolutely. I mean, that's vitally important. And, uh, and I don't want to say I'm above it myself. I mean, even my own training, there's been plenty of times where I'm like, you know what, I'm biting off too much. I need to step back myself. Uh, having an outside coach to yell at you for this is obviously a lot more helpful. Um, but yeah, again, if you're, if you're continuing, if you continue to try to do something and you're not succeeding in it, you need to stop, think about what you're doing wrong, take a step back as you need to build up the, you know, the fundamentals, um, in my own practice, for instance, uh, my shoulder mobility has had just been terrible. And I was beating my, my head against the wall trying to improve a lot of my handstand skills with less than optimal shoulder mobility. So now it's been a much greater emphasis on shoulder mobility for me to build up that foundation. So, I mean, we're, we're all susceptible to trying to just plow ahead and, and hoping for the best. But, um, yeah, being able to regress and really sure up any, any weaknesses – uh, is is huge. It's going to help anyone. Now with so. body weight, our handstands. What are, what's your favorite? Like if you you know can only do one exercise. <laughs> you know, if I said okay, Jim, you're on this island. You My desert island. the desert island question. But what is literally? What's like your favorite? Like if you don't have much time to work out, and I guess I should open that up. Not just body weight, but you know, for being up a busy guy, and and I like asking fitness professionals this. But but you're you're busy. You know, maybe do you have those days? You only have half an hour, forty five minutes to work out. What do you consider like just the the kind of like, hey, I know I don't have much time. I just want to bang it out. What's what's kind of your go to in those situations? Um, well, my favorites and my my uh, ones where I go to with less time are two different things. My favorite, I, I just love the handstand. Um, working on the handstand is just a blast. There's so many different variations you can work off of. Of course, working up to the one arm handstand, and then you see professional acrobats do just the most amazing things. Um, so yeah, my my personal favorite is the handstand. Now people can go through life never doing a handstand. You know, I, I understand that if I was, uh, short on time, came into the gym, it would be some sort of uh, muscle up so that we'd get a pull and a push and then squat or deadlift, you know, boom, done. Uh, you've got the upper body, you've got the lower body and you can get out the door in half an hour. Um, with that, you know, something that may be in the higher rep range so that, you know, I wouldn't necessarily have to wait, you know, multiple minutes between sets. Um, but if you did that, if you did muscle ups and deadlifts or muscle ups and squats and you walked in the gym, you'd be, you'd be pretty well off, you know, more than I think a lot of people in the gym. So, and on that note, I think it's important that, you know, one consistent theme that I've been doing on this podcast is to focus on movement patterns. I think, you know, for years and we, you know, we all know, I mean, I'm sure when you first got interested in the fitness, you're doing your chest, you're doing back, you're doing, you know, you're, you're breaking up body part by body part. And I think, you know, I think it's gotten much better the last five, five to seven years or so. I think some of the media that's out there for both men and women are doing a much better job, much more responsible job of talking about movement. But in your opinion, what's the difference between like movement training and traditional body training is and why would you focus on movements with your clients? 
Oh yeah, with movement training, I mean it's just more one one it's more efficient time wise, uh, so that exactly you're not uh, having to work this one muscle this one day and this next muscle the next day, and uh, two, I mean simple fact your your body operates in movement. Uh, so you know I when I'm picking something up, I don't think you know bicep engage, shoulder engage. You know it's it's everything working together. So yeah, just from a uh, functional, and I hate to use the word because it's probably been beaten to death, but from a functional standpoint, um, movement patterns and training those movement patterns is just going to be a lot more useful. Now, that doesn't mean you can't throw in the occasional, you know, isolation work, um, but you want to have the meat before the potatoes. So get the squats in, get the pull-ups in, get the dips in. And then at the end, you know, if you're, if you want to do a set of curls, if you want to do a set of lateral raises, yeah, knock yourself out. I've, I'll do the same thing myself plenty of times, but you have to make sure you get the big movements done first. It's just, it's just that important. Yeah. And I think all the big movements, I mean, people don't realize that, that they can help you burn more calories. Anytime you use more muscle, you're going to be burning more calories. And so oh, yeah. I think anytime you can incorporate that. Now I want to, you know, kind of go, go a different path here a little bit. And, and, and I'm going to go into a little bit of the, kind of the, the, the offside of fitness. And that is uh, both Jim and I have experience being personal trainers in Washington, D.C. And Jim worked, uh, we both worked uh, in different health clubs a couple blocks away from each other. And I think, you know, we were talking about this before we started recording. I just think we're having worked in D.C., you know, you hear all this stuff, and this is kind of where I want to go with it, Jim. You hear all this stuff about celebrity trainers. I trained this celebrity. I trained that celebrity. <laughs> and it's like, okay, but those their job is to look good on TV or look good in a movie. You better yeah. Be trained them to look like that, and it's not just you. <laughs> they have a massage therapist. They have a personal assistants who take care of a lot of their life. They have private chefs that make a lot of their meals. You know, and and do you would you consider yourself a? And I know you would never use this term because you're you're not you're not that type of person. But in D.C., would you consider yourself or have considered yourself a kind of quote unquote celebrity trainer because you worked with a lot of uh, political folks? <laughs> well, first of all, I think you're right. I would never use that term. Uh, I, <laughs> no, I have. No, you would. That's okay. It's okay. I have definitely uh, trained a lot of important people in uh, D.C. Uh, just a lot of very driven, um, you know, captains of industry. Uh, and yeah, it's been an interesting. Um, it's it's been a, it's an interesting experience, definitely. Uh, I'd say first off that uh, anyone anyone in D.C. I think is, they're very driven very, very driven in their job. So they're going to be very driven in the gym. I, I see that a lot. Um, what I also see is that even if they're really busy, they still take time and they still schedule just like a meeting. They still schedule time to work out. They schedule that time for themselves because they know how important it's going to carry over to the rest of their lives. And that's so, actually on that real quick, I want to, cause I think that's an important thread. People don't realize that top CEOs, you know, I, I, I worked with, you know, I worked with a couple ambassadors, you know, I had a department secretary I worked with, reporters I worked with. These are people that were extremely busy and lived by their schedule, yet yeah. they they made exercise a priority. And, and mm-hmm. you know, do you see that? And do you think if, if you work with somebody who is, is, is a political appointee and they see you two to three times a week, what's that say to you about, like, the fact that, you know, that people use the excuse often that I don't have enough time? I and mean, what's that say to you about that excuse? Oh, I mean, it's it's an excuse. Absolutely. Uh, we say in nerd fitness all the time um, that it's not that you don't have time. It's just that it's not a priority, you know, and that's a much better way to frame it. Um, we all have time. We all have time to do, you know, X, Y, Z. It's just there's certain priorities. Now, of course, you know, that's not to say that oh, you have to neglect, you know, your family or, or if, the, you know, um, uh, an emergency comes up. Yeah, obviously, that will be your priority. But uh, in general day to day things like 
yeah, you just need to make time for it. It needs to become a priority, even if, you know, it's only for half an hour, 45 minutes, even if it's a shortened workout. And, um, yeah, that's what, that's what, uh, that's what people here in DC do. They, they make things a priority like that. Um, sometimes, uh, and I'll, and I'll relay a funny story cause this person probably won't hear this podcast, but, uh, <laughs> um, I had, I had one person that came into the gym and said, uh, yes, I want to work out today, but, uh, over the weekend, uh, a horse threw me off and ran over me. So I was like, uh, have you seen a doctor? Um, yeah. <laughs> if a horse, if a horse has literally trampled you over the weekend, I'm not sure if I want you in the, in the gym. And they're like, no, I'm okay. I'm okay. Uh, we start to warm up and they have like excruciating back pain. And I was like, we, we can't do this. No, no, no. Let's keep on going. So we spent the next hour um, trying to work out and they are complaining of excruciating back pain the entire time. So I guess my point of the whole thing uh, beyond a funny story was that uh, it can go obviously a little too far, a little too driven, but um, they still made it a priority. Still, They were still got They were still there. I mean, I mean yeah. Yeah, yeah, they were still there. Exactly. Even to be yeah. an excruciating discomfort. And, and you know, it's <laughs> funny that you say that because that brings up some memories I had of, of former clients that they would, there'd be days where I would see them, they'd be wrecked, whether they were at, you know, yeah. all night meetings or out at an event the night before. And I'm like, man, you should take the day off. Like, no, I want to work, you know, or I had, you know, one guy who was a big time CEO. I, I cringed every time he we went on vacation because his sons were he had a he had like a top level wrestler and he had a marine for sons <laughs> and so every time he went on vacation he got hurt he came back hurt and so uh, I was always undoing because he's like oh I was trying to do this with my son I'm like dude you're <laughs> you're a little bit older than they're in sick shape you can't yeah. keep up with them and I think I, I think because you see you hear about so many people that have a hard time motivating for fitness but I think you know when you work in an environment like you said and sit in a city like Washington where everybody's type A. The yeah. hardest part we have as a trainer, I and I'm sure you can agree with me, is we're trying to save people from themselves. We're trying yeah. to tell people you don't need to work that hard. You know, maybe you should take a day off. You know, I had one client who would come back from international trips, and I could just tell on her face that you know she needed. We would just stretch. That would be our, our workout. Would be just yeah. assisted stretching for the day, or she would have an event all, and then she'd be on heels. You know, and on on those hard floors in those government buildings. And, you know, an event all night the night before. You know, and it's just like, and I think people don't realize that, but I mean, I just think it's such a, such a unique area to be involved in because you can be in a gym and see the, some people on CNN, you can see, you know, some people on that. And it's, it's funny because with all the <laughs> rancor going back and forth in politics these days, it always amazed me that people sweat the same. And it always, yeah. I always thought it was kind of a, I, one thing I liked about it was being in DC, you had, you're in a cycling class, you're in a weightlifting class, everybody's coming together and working together. And I think we've lost that. I mean, do you think, do you think we'd have a better political climate if we could get um, Republicans and Democrats to work out together? <laughs> maybe not wrestling, but yeah, maybe some <laughs> other things, maybe a, maybe a soul cycle class or something. But uh, yeah. yeah, no, I think um, that's, you're hitting the nail on the head. I mean, when people come into the gym, uh, their job was literally the last thing we would talk about sometimes. Yeah. Um, there were, especially with CrossFit, uh, when I would, you know, teach obviously bigger classes, um, there were literally people I had no idea what they did for a living. And they obviously know what I do cause I'm, you know, working in front of them, yeah. but, uh, I didn't know what they did and I didn't care, uh, because yeah. they were there to, you know, to work out, to work hard, to improve their, their lives. Uh, yeah, so it, it is, it is an interesting thing that, yeah, we, we all do sweat the same once we get in there and, and it's cool to see that all throughout the city. Well, you know, my, you, you, you know, my wife and she used to teach a class that she didn't, she always wondered why there's a big guy sitting outside the class. And it turned out that one of the Bush daughters would always take her class. And, uh, that was her <laughs> secret service cover. Yeah. You know, so my wife didn't know that she didn't really, she really didn't know that. Um, and there's a time when, uh, some cycling instructor at a gym went off on, on, on the former president Bush 
when uh, his daughter was in the room and people, I got like three or four emails from people asking if that was me. Cause I was kind of famous, <laughs> but that's the thing I did that in one part. I, I would kind of be anti Bush. I'd kind of do a John Stewart type rant in one part of the city, yeah. but I never did that over near when I worked at the gym near foggy bottom. Cause foggy yeah. bottom was too close to the white house. And no, I knew, course. I knew that, you know, I kept it, I kept it very apolitical there over that's DuPont good. circle. I would go very, I would go very political, you know, cause I knew, I knew the audience, <laughs> but it was a fun, yeah. I, I, I miss that. You know, sometimes my wife and I, we miss, we miss that environment because in San Diego, Hey, look, Jim, here's the thing. If you ever get tired of DC, if you're yeah. a good B student, or that's what I consider myself a good B student, DC, yeah. man, I'm running to catch up with everybody in San Diego, dude, a good B student. It's a piece of cake. Killing it, killing it. <laughs> You're killing it. Hey, so tell me a little bit about Nerd Fitness. I think uh, we talked a little bit about the beginning, but um, it's an online community. How yep. to get started? And what do you guys? What do you guys specialize on? Uh, so uh, Steve started it uh, about eight years or so ago, if my uh, memory serves right. Um, and yeah, it's just com- it's a community of like-minded people that just want to improve their lives. Uh, obviously, you know, based on the name, they self-identify as nerds, and of course, you know that that's a you know. Uh, a broad reaching net, you know, some one person's you know definition of nerd is different than another person's. Um, but what we try to do is we try to make fitness fun. And just like you would level up a character in a video game, we say, hey, why not, you know, why not live your own video game? Why not level up your own life? Oh, that's so, cool. you, yeah, it's it's great. And the gamifying of like fitness like that and making it a bit more fun um, is it's fantastic. It's a great motivator for a lot of people. And then of course the community itself, community itself is incredibly supportive. Um, online, just even online, it's incredibly supportive and, and brings a tear to my eye. But then, uh, like our live events, like our camp nerd fitness that we had, um, like I said, I mean, you'll have people having just monumental breakthroughs. Um, giving people information is definitely great, you know, and you know, until we grow an extra arm, uh, you know, some of the stuff, you know, it's stuff you've heard for years and years and years for a lot of people. It's that those mental hurdles, those mental roadblocks that they need to get past. And I think with nerd fitness, um, with all that we've done with the community and with making fitness more fun and more like a game, I think we help people over a lot of those hurdles. Um, now do you think, um, you know, with the popularity, I mean, you have big bang theory being one of the most popular shows on TV and, <laughs> yeah. and you have Chris Hardwick, you know, um, yeah. who's on everything nowadays has this nerdist, nerdist, you know, I mean, do you think that's kind of like this whole kind of the hipness of nerd culture? Do you think, I mean, it's a natural synergy. I think I, I, I you know, from my understanding, Steve is his name, the founder. Yeah. Yeah. Steve, I think, yeah, Steve Cam. I think he, he, you know, I think he started from, uh, from a place where he wanted to help others like that. But do you think you've been helped by this whole kind of popularization of the nerd culture? Um, I mean, absolutely. I suppose, you know, can't hurt. Um, it's one of those things. It's, it's, it's not, it's not like we thought, Oh, Hey, this nerd, nerd culture is getting popular. We should jump in on it. Yeah. That's what um, I mean. I, I knew that wasn't the case and I, I, yeah, yeah, I didn't want to yeah, insinuate that, but it just, yeah, I just think it's been a nice synergy. Oh, absolutely. It has been. Um, and yeah, I mean, like I said, and we'll, we will use that in the terms of, we've got a lot of people now coming, you know, knocking on our door and we, we've got just boatloads of testimonials, success stories, people, you know, just have transformed from their lives, either physically, um, or, you know, mentally or, or both in many cases. So it's great that we have such an interest in like nerd culture. And it's great that people of course are, you know, maybe searching nerd fitness or, you know, just, and they don't even realize that we're a company and a site. Um, and we have, thousands of people visit the site every day and uh it's great to be able to help them and and use use that culture that they're uh used to uh to help you know 
better their lives. I think a lot of times with nerd fitness, not only is it people that self-identify as nerds, but also if you might imagine, um, it, it might be people that have never worked out before at all and are incredibly terrified of fitness in any way, shape or form, or maybe they're too overwhelmed with what to do. And we try to break that down, or I think we do break that down into small manageable pieces. So, you know, I've never worked out before. Oh, wait, here's a simple workout I can do that they gave me. Um, I don't know what to do with eating. Oh, here's a single task that I can do this day or this week. So we make the fitness, I think, a lot more fun and a lot less intimidating, which is what a, what a lot of people need. And I think because you're saying that, and, and it, it brings to mind, I mean, to kind of tie back to our DC conversation. Because D.C. is full of those people that focused on political science in high school and not sports. And, I, mm-hmm. you know, personally, I think, and, and maybe you agree, I think we do a disservice to people with the way we do recreational P- or the way we do physical education in our schools where we focus on sports as opposed to exercise. I mean, that's starting to change a little bit now. But, yeah. you know, if I, was, if I was somebody where math came easy to me or science came easy to me but sports didn't, I'm not going to have a relationship with physical literacy. I'm not going to be physically literate. And yeah. so would you say that you guys are trying to just promote just kind of that sense of movement and physical literacy to your audience? Absolutely. Uh, we like with a lot of the things in terms of articles that we write and videos, or whatever that we make, um, you know, it might just be like a, it might just be like a fun activity that they're trying to do. So, uh, you know, it's not. Uh, this is the killer workout that's going to leave you, you know, pass out on the floor. It's like, oh, no, let's let's try to balance on one, one leg or let's, you know, let's play around with this, which, you know, might lead to a handstand if you want um, or, or not. But, um, yeah, we, we try to get people, you know, a lot, again, a lot more physically uh, literate. I think it's interesting, actually, speaking of uh, just D.C. and uh, just that in general, um, uh, Mark Turok, I don't know if you've ever crossed paths with him, but uh, – he runs Primal Fitness here in D.C. He actually just uh, recently, and I'm, I'm going to botch the uh, exact numbers and exact scope, but he was able to get parkour into, um, I don't know, a lot of the uh, schools here in D.C. Oh, as cool. school, as as a physical education curriculum. So he ended up building a whole bunch of vault boxes and a whole bunch of precision trainers and a whole bunch of things like that. So to see something like that, like parkour is um, infinitely you know scalable for a lot of different skills. And it's based more around movement rather than just, oh, I'm standing out in a, a field waiting for a ball to come to me, uh, which, is, which is a lot of sports. I mean, yeah. let's, let's no, it's, serious. And, and I think if you're talking about physical, if you're talking about exercise, that's one of the silliest things to do is to try to teach kids to play soccer or play basketball. You know, the kids that are good at that are all going to be doing. I mean, you know, yeah. if I'm teaching a group of, <laughs> if I'm teaching a group of 11 or 12 years old, 12 year olds, I want to get them excited about exercise. I'd rather have them try to learn parkour than to sit yeah. around and, you know, try to throw a ball through a hoop. You know, Absolutely. the parkour is going to have much more meaning and much more relevance to their life. And I think that's one thing that, that we just don't think about when it comes to, you know, when it comes to how do we help people engage in, in exercise. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And that's why it was so great to see Mark uh, do that and be able to get that into the D.C. schools. So, um, again, I, I don't know exactly how it is around the country with that, but I would love to see that spread more, see that. Um, uh, I guess some of the buzzwords now floating around the fitness community, like movement culture, yeah. where, you know, you, you focus on movement and yes, of course, um, uh, it, it's, it's, it's still an individual, you can do it with other people, but it's still a wholly individual pursuit because it's all about how you move and how you can, you know, uh, traverse, you know, a parkour obstacle or what have you. So, uh, it's cool to be able to see that. And I think it's, I think it's a lot more fun as well too, because it's, I think the competition from sports, uh, shuts out a lot of people, especially yeah. like you, like you said, you know, you, uh, I, I remember probably in uh, maybe starting middle school or so, maybe early high school, 
uh, all the people that wanted to do soccer or baseball or whatnot, they were already doing travel teams and they were already fantastic. So me, I would come in once a year and get totally smoked by these semi-professional middle school kids, you know, when I was, <laughs> yeah, when totally. I was younger. So yeah, it just, it just, it just wasn't fun. And, and probably a lot of the reason I, if I think about it, probably a lot of the reason back in high school that I started working just gymnastics by myself and with my buddy, uh, like I said, we literally would just do handstands in the backyard because again, it was fun. You know, it, it made, it made physical fitness fun again. And, uh, regardless of how you do it, I guess that's what we're trying to do at nerd fitness is again, just make that physical fitness fun. Uh, and, I don't, because, and, and, and just one final note on the physiology of that. I think there's been a lot of research lately that has shown that, that activity, especially if you do different activities, if you go from doing body weight training to learning how to do Olympic lifting, to learning how to do maybe kettlebell training, you're using different uh, motor programs you're, and you're going to produce something in the brain called BDNF, brain derived neurotrophic factor. So by coming up with, I got to remember that. <laughs> well, it's BDNF. I mean, it's, it's when you do a higher intensity exercise, you're going to produce, you know, the, the same hormones that kind of are, are precursors to growth hormone also mm-hmm. will help promote more, more BDNF in the brain. That's going to create more neural pathways in the brain. Likewise, if you go from learning a skill, if you go from learning handstands, learning kettlebell swings, to learning, you know, a, a clean and jerk, you're learning different skills and you're wiring mm-hmm. different parts of your brain together. So for people that are already super smart, I think, you know, you might not realize it, they might not realize it, but, but giving them different tasks is actually going to help them become smarter because it's going to wire and link different parts. Of it. It, there really is. The science shows that the neurophysiology shows that you're going to link different parts of their brain together, which is pretty fascinating. Oh, so, I, I can totally, I can totally believe that it's, yeah, just learning different skills, learning new skills, um, the guy's name escapes me right now, but, uh, on YouTube, uh, what is he? Some, he's like some 70 something year old guy who has like a whole bunch of different things set up at his house to like oh, yeah, challenge himself. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I can't remember his name, but, yeah. uh, yeah, he's, so he's balancing on one foot and like picking up stuff off the counter with his toes and balancing on slack lines and stuff. Um, and yeah, I mean, he's sharp as a tack, not, not to say that that's necessarily the cause or, co- you know, correlation, but, yeah. uh, no, I, I mean, I, I completely, I compl- completely agree with, uh, that just. We need to learn different skills. We need to learn a big skill set, and yeah, it can only do. It can only help us. So. And now you guys do. What is Camp Nerd Fitness? What is what is that about? So again, Camp Nerd Fitness, a multi-day adult fitness camp. Uh, for the past three years, uh, we've held it in the woods of Georgia, uh, about two hours outside of Atlanta. Um, and uh, as I was, as we were mentioning before, so uh, I was brought on to teach a lot of the physical classes. So that's of course my specialty. So. Um, Olympic lifting, gymnastics. I taught a grip strength class, uh, things like that. Um, we've got other classes though that people can attend and, and people are free to, uh, attend any class that they want. So they see a schedule and at 10 o'clock, you know, there's maybe six or seven different classes they can choose from. Um, the other classes would, might be, you know, healthy cooking. Uh, they might be some sort of mindset, uh, class. So, you know, overcoming some, you know, um, negative self-talk or what have you. Uh, so people can choose their experience at camp that's best going to suit them. Um, it's fantastic. It's, it's great because not only of course, are we with like-minded people where it's an incredibly supportive environment. Uh, we are out of cell phone reception range, which is also fantastic. <laughs> that is, that is phenomenal. Right that, that alone would yeah. be worth the, worth the price <laughs> of going just to not have to, to rely yeah. on, on that for a few days. Yeah. So people, I mean, really have to talk, uh, you know, to each other. Uh, it's amazing to hear and see the stories because, uh, people have such enormous breakthroughs. I mean, 
some people are absolutely terrified of talking to any person, yet they have traveled halfway around the world to meet, you know, 300 strangers. Uh, so it, it's, it's really, really cool to see, um, the, the energy and the magic we talk about all the time, the camp magic, uh, that we have. Uh, and at the end of the, uh, camp, I mean, like I said, people are walking away, uh, hopefully, you know, very much changed, uh, you know, mentally and also with a ton of information for whatever, you know, they're looking to do and whatever they're looking to continue on with. So cool. I'll put the information for that down in the show notes below. Hey, Jim, yep. man, I really, I really appreciate the chance to catch up with you. I mean, yep. I have to say, dude, when I saw your name, uh, I saw your name on a speaker roster with Jen Sinkler and a couple other people. <laughs> I just, honestly, I got a biggest smile on my face because I had such great memories of how strong you were and everything. And, and that's why I reached out to catch up with you. And I'm really glad I did. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Jen, yeah. Jen's awesome. She taught at camp and it was, it was great to, uh, you know, sit down with her for a little bit too. It's, it was, it was a great meeting of the minds as well too, just for us, you know, the teachers. All right. Jim Bathurst, you're the master of the fitness universe. <laughs> you got a training master, universe. Yeah, sure. Master of the train, <laughs> master of the training universe at, at Nerd Fitness. Thanks for your time, dude. No problem, man. Take care. Well, I hope you found that an interesting conversation with Jim. As I mentioned, uh, Jim and I go way back, and, and he's one of these guys who, when I first saw him training clients, he, he seemed like a young kid. He's probably right out of uh, University of Maryland. And just from a distance, I mean, I left D.C. a number of years ago, but our paths have crossed a few times over the years. And from a distance, I've seen him, seen his career evolve. I mean, he was a CrossFit coach for a long while, and he still does CrossFit. Um, I know he's a competitive weightlifter, as we talked about. And I really, you know, I think he's found his niche doing the programming for Nerd Fitness. And as we spoke about, I think it's really important that we look at ways to make fitness more inclusive. You know, as I mentioned a little bit in the, in the beginning of the show, and, and as Jim and I talked about a little bit, I mean, we look at all the different populations out there, you know, we in fitness don't do a good job of, of making it inclusive. And we don't do a good job of making everybody feel welcome. I mean, certain, certain environments do, certain health clubs do, but we have a long way to go. Over the years when I've traveled and I've talked to somebody sitting next to me in an airport or a train or at a hotel, you know, at a hotel bar or something, and we start talking and, you know, invariably you know, the topic of what we do comes up. When I tell people that I work in the fitness industry, I always hear the same conversation. People are either really into fitness, they enjoy it, or they're like, yeah, you know, I've tried to exercise at a health club, but it wasn't for me. And when you dig a little deeper, you ask a few questions, it's oftentimes because they don't feel comfortable in that environment. You know, one of the things I used to do when I was a trainer in downtown D.C. is I used to hang out to the coffee shop, hang out in the coffee shop next to the health club where I worked. Because I found that a lot of times when when people, especially successful people in D.C., you know, attorneys, lobbyists, political people, when they're in the gym, they revert back to what they felt like when they're sixth, seventh, eighth grade gym class. They didn't feel comfortable. They got into politics or they got into law, most people, not all, but you know, some people, because they don't feel comfortable doing physical activities. For them, they got more comfortable into debate. They got more into um, the history club. They got more into different types of things. But I found that if I hung out in the coffee shop and I started talking to people when they're in their suits, when they're dressed for work, they were much more comfortable approaching me and asking me about, about fitness questions. And I got clients that way. I got a lot of clients that way, actually. So bringing it back to inclusivity, which is what this is all about, I think when you look at, at a website like a portal like Nerd Fitness, they're doing a great job of reaching out to an underserved population in the fitness community. 
what they're trying to do is they're trying to make fitness accessible for everybody. You know, the perception out there is that people who may or may not be categorized as nerds are not fitness. And these are probably the kids that didn't get picked for teams. You know, when we look at our PE, you know, when we look at how we do PE in our schools, I mean, that's a whole nother show in of itself, but we play sports. If kids aren't good at sports, they're not going to, they're not going to enjoy exercise. They're not going to enjoy physical activity. And if you're a 10, 11, 12 year old kid getting picked last in PE class, what's that going to do to your psyche? And what's that going to do to your, you know, to your perception of whether or not, you know, exercise or fitness is for you? So I think we've gone come a long way in our business. I do think in the past few years, especially, we have done a better job of trying to be welcome to all people, especially people who may not be fit. I remember it comes back to that person that might be 40, 50, 80, 120 pounds overweight today. They're going to be the fitness superstar tomorrow. And I can't tell you over the years how many people I've met in workshops who have lost a significant amount of weight. And they stopped whatever it was they were doing for their career, and they became a personal trainer because they want to help people experience the same changes that they did. And these people aren't fitness models. These are real people who've lost significant amounts of weight, and now they've dedicated their lives to helping others do the same. And as an educator, I want to try to help everybody have the same opportunity to change their life through health, fitness, and exercise. So that's what today's conversation was about, was about you know, despite your background, despite what you might be interested, you know, Jim and I talked politics a little bit, just, you know, some of the political people we trained, you know, despite what your, your background might be or what your fitness level might be, there's, there's the right type of exercise for you. So hopefully this motivated you. And, and, you know, if you have that friend out there that's been needing a little bit of encouragement who might be overweight, reach out to him or her, ask them to go for a walk with you. You don't need to take them out to a killer wad. Just take them out for a nice walk. Try to encourage them gently to be more active. You know, look at ways, what can you do to reach out to other people in your sphere of influence and how can you make exercise more accessible? How can you make exercise more accessible in your community and the people that you work with or or live with or your friends, family, and whatnot? Because that's what it's all about. You know, and and I know this sounds a little corny and I, I mentioned this in my last podcast, a quick fit tip. But we really can make the world a better place through exercise and fitness. Because what we're doing is we're, we're creating positive change in the world. We're being the change that we want to be. So hopefully that's what we got out of today's conversation. That's what I was trying to create with it. If you enjoyed, if you enjoyed the podcast, if you enjoyed the content I'm bringing you, please do me a favor. Wherever you're listening to this, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, please give it a positive rainy because you know the deal. The better the ratings, the more people will be exposed to this content. And I'm not going to be charging for this. You know, right now I'm doing this, you know, because I want to spread the message. I'm fortunate that I have a lot of other stuff going on and I'm doing this podcast because I want to help get good information out there and help people change their lives through health and fitness. And the better ratings or the more ratings I get, the more that's possible. If you want to reach out to me, my email is Pete at PeteMcCallFitness.com. If you want to follow me on Twitter, my Twitter handle is PeteMC underscore fitness. My Instagram tag is Pete McCall underscore fitness. All those will be below the show notes along with links to the show sponsors. Thanks for stopping by. I look forward to having you tune in for future episodes of All About Fitness.